cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got all right, everybody, welcome back to the next episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Hey, quick shout out to Carlson Zeus. Appreciate you on the intro music. That's Alpha Child. If you haven't heard it yet, get over to carltonzeus.com or Apple Music. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. Uh, real quick shout out. So, happy belated Father's Day. To all the dads out there, <laughs> I knew I was going to get that from Luke. I knew it. Hey, appreciate you. Appreciate you what you do. Uh, my dad, Luke's dad, um, definitely, uh, definitely appreciate it. So a couple other shout outs. Thanks to Rodney in Alaska. Bruce, Bruce and Graham Cracker, North Carolina. Shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Well, let's turn it over to uh, Roger so he can give his non-awkward shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> No, and for those that didn't catch it, so we were going to have um, the Cajun conservative on today, and obviously with uh, all the technology that we're surrounded by, uh, it, something always fails, so uh, we're going to end up bringing him on uh, here in, in the next couple of weeks, but definitely go check out his podcast, do a search for him, Cajun conservative, uh, so definitely you know appreciate his time and, and at least trying to hop in. Uh, also, I just want to give a shout out to some of my neighbors that listen. Uh, you know, it's always... You know, it's always interesting when you have uh, folks that you know pretty close uh, that listen to your show uh, because it just makes you wonder, it's like, hey, what do they think? Am I a dirtbag? Is it trash? Is You know, they, they think I'm crazy or whatever. And so definitely appreciate the support. Uh, Steve, my neighbor, he's listened uh, since the very beginning. Uh, and then we've got some other neighbors down the street, uh, Brian and Christina. You know, they both listen, I think, when they're back and forth uh, to the lake or whatever. So definitely appreciate the support and for you folks out there listening. You remember back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was cool, you know, before he ran for governor and all that, and he married Maria Shriver. And, uh, you know, I just I always used to joke with my parents. I was like, Ben, why couldn't I have been born to Arnold and Maria? You know, my dad to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, my mom to be Maria Shriver, you know, power couple, all this stuff. But it turns out Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of a dirtbag. So, yeah, joke's on me. Happy Father's Day, Dad. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so happy belated Father's Day, that is. Uh, you know, I, I give a, a personal shout out to uh, my boy Jason there and uh, and Nova. He uh, I don't know if he actually listens or if he goes to the podcast and like you know just picks a random part and then he'll text me like, "Hey man, I saw you guys mention this." You know, I, I think he doesn't listen to the whole thing. He just goes <laughs> to random part, listens for ten seconds, and then comments. So I uh, appreciate it. appreciate you listening, Jason. Jason was on uh, was in the Marine Corps back in the day. And uh, he was the only Marine in existence, I think, who actually told people uh, he's infantry and he actually told people what his real job was. Every Marine infantryman is an infantry sniper, but not Jason. Jason told everybody the truth. I am a machine gunner. And I think that's cool, man. So, uh, Jason, thanks for listening. And I give one more shout out to uh, uh, Ginger Inferno Flags. Uh, his work's really coming along. Uh, really coming along he can make some really good stuff hit him up on facebook at ginger inferno flags and uh shoot him an idea and he'll tell you if he can do it which most of the time he can make a nice coin holder like a nice little gun you know put something to put your guns in with a flag with hinges it's, it's good stuff man go check out his work and uh yeah we don't really we had an outline uh Josh, you know, Josh didn't provide us an outline. It wasn't an outline. <laughs> yeah, it was orders. It was a directive. It was orders. So <laughs> let's go to Roger. I think we're going to, instead of covering uh, Louisiana politics and uh, 
and that kind of thing. We're just going to go with some current events, which, of which there are a few, and uh, go to Roger, and he can uh, pull something out of his magic hat and kick it around. Now, I do want to uh, touch base, you know, re- recover the whole Ginger Inferno flags. It's, it's pretty neat when you see, again, home-based business, right? So you're talking about the ultimate small business. He does his work out of his garage. And to watch him evolve and progress over the last year, because uh, we watch his products and they come out and, 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 you know, he was nice enough to send us all some wooden flags. And, and what we got was awesome. Uh, I thought I was like, hey, man, this is badass. And then to watch the products that he's putting out now, I mean, you can actually look at his products from day one to now and see how much he's grown. So it's, uh, you know, if you get a chance, you need a cool Father's Day gift, you need a, just a gift in general, hit him up, like Luke said, throw out some ideas and, uh, you know, he can work with you and probably make it happen. Uh, as far as the week, man, it's been busy, but I would tell you what, before we get into that, it has been hot here in Arizona. And and I think, so I'm not a big, uh, okay, obviously, you know, you got climate change and that's been the whole big thing with the administration that left for years. And because it was global warming and then, you know, well, we had some cool years, so I never call it climate change, but we're actually having a, a pretty big issue out here. And, and Luke, you're, you should be familiar with it, but uh, when you talk about, you know, like the Hoover Dam and the Colorado River and how much water it provides to the state of Arizona and California and Nevada and even Mexico. But uh, the, uh, I think they're getting ready to declare a state of emergency for like the first time. Um, and they're talking about the Hoover Dam getting down to the levels where there will be no water flowing uh, through the dam. Um, and, it's, and it's pretty crazy. And, and the reservoir that we have up here, it's, uh, I think it's the largest one that we have in the country. Uh, and they talk about, I forget the numbers, but it's like it's dropping like 100 feet a year or 50 feet a year or whatever. So I think they're saying by September of this year, um, I think we're already at like the tier one emergency. It goes into tier two emergency, which basically cuts off a lot of water to the farmers out here in Arizona. And for those that don't know, I mean, Arizona has a, I think we have like the lar- the largest canal system like in the world. Um, and a lot of the farmers pull their water from the Colorado and, and, and from that reservoir. So once we get down that level, it cuts a lot of that. And the tough piece is back when this thing was all negotiated among all the states that are impacted by this, uh, this was like 100 years ago. Uh, And back then, California was a pretty cool state. And back then, you know, Arizona wasn't as populated. So California's like, hey, man, you know, we had the majority of farmers, we have the higher population. So they were able to negotiate a deal where they basically have priority over all the water. And of course, you fast forward to now and Arizona finds itself in a tough spot because, you know, as these cuts continue, um, you know, there's really no, I think they tried to renegotiate it last year, but, you know, California has no reason to budge at all. Right. Uh, So Arizona and our farmers kind of get screwed. And if that happens, I guess I'm gonna have to go to zero scape in my front yard because I've got a lot of grass. And uh, I was talking to my wife the other day about I'm like, I can foresee watering this grass is going to become very expensive uh, over the next couple of years. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely something if you haven't read about it, you know, I'm starting to see uh, bits and pieces of it pop up on the national news now talking about the water level out there, but kind of, you know, check into that. And I would tell you, it's not a you know, I'm not a, a global warming denier or climate change denier, right? You know, does man have impact on that stuff? I think it, I think we do, clearly. Um, is it to the level that, you know, they say that we do and this and that? That I'm not so sure on. Got to read more into the science behind it. But a lot of this stuff, it goes back to what they were talking, you know, several years ago with California. They were unable to build reservoirs for like 10 years. 
And, you know, you remember Donald Trump made the the comment during the forest fires, oh, they should just make a big rake. And, you know, everybody's like, ah, you know, you're crazy and you're stupid. It's like, well, no, that's actually part of all of this because I think it was a couple of years ago, California actually had enough rain. I think it was Southern California, if I remember correctly. They actually had enough rain um, to bring them out of a drought. Okay. So like, you know, based on science, they're like, hey, we've got this measure and this and that. I think the last thing I read is between 50 to 75% of that rainwater ran into the ocean. Uh, and, and when you're talking about, you know, the left ideas and principles versus the right, outside of just rights and this and that, but, you know, a large part of that is because the liberals and the progressives uh, got so involved in like the EPA and state level organizations. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I get it. We have to preserve our parks and this and that, but you also have to preserve like mankind, right? It does no good to have, you know, the red cockaded woodpecker if, if there are no people around. Um, but anyway, they made the regulations so difficult uh, to build any type of new reservoirs, to do any type of infrastructure improvement or this and that, that they were unable to capture any of the water. Uh, so now, you know, you're looking at it, you know, several years removed and all this water's running uh, into the ocean or has ran into the ocean. And so now you're starting to see the second and third orders of effect. So definitely one of those things to uh, to check out. And Luke, I think you'd be, you know, kind of surprised at the growth out here uh, from back in your childhood days running around, uh, you know, the, the streets of Glendale or whatever. But on to more pressing news. So we had the G7, right? So we had the G7 summit. Um, I don't really know what we got out of it. Uh, when I sat there and, and, you know, not to be a, a Trumper and, and, and Trump said the same things like we, we left with nothing. And, and to be honest with you, I haven't gone back to look at previous G, uh, G7 summits to see like what actually came out of a lot of this stuff. But, you know, the big thing was the meeting with uh, Biden and Putin. Um, what I did see was a little bit of a change in the tone from Putin. It, it seemed like a little bit more of a not an admiration, but a little bit more of a respect thing. But, you know, as I started thinking about it, he made some, and again, this is all through interpretation, so it's it's a little it's a little tougher to digest and, and and interpret ourselves. But you know, my take was Putin basically said, "Well, Biden, you are a career politician," which I think he's actually said that before. I think he said it recently, uh, and as such, you're just very predictable. So you know, it's kind of like you know playing chess or checkers with somebody when you know the book, right? Uh, so I, I don't think. Um, and I'm not trying to poop on the president because, you know, he is our president. I love this country and uh, you hate to see us fail anywhere. But I think that it's a level of comfort for Putin because he's like, hey, I know exactly how you're going to operate. You're a career politician. I've got 47, 48 years of your history to go off of. Uh, I know your cabinet member. I know your teams. Uh, they really haven't changed from the barriers a whole lot. Uh, so it's kind of very predictable for him and he's able to take actions, uh, to further his goals and agenda. Um, but other than, you know, other than the meeting, even with the meeting, right. I mean, I think the one thing that came out and I think Josh, you hit on this on, on one of the, uh, uh, book of faces posts, as you, as you like to say, I'm glad he did lay out the 17 critical infrastructure. I think it was 17, right? 16 or 17, um, 16 that, uh, Hey, you know, we shouldn't have cyber attacks against. I'm glad he laid that out. So, hey, the rest of the industry is fine. The rest of the world's fine. Uh, the rest of the country's fine. Hey, these 16 right here, these are our priorities, so don't attack those. Um, the one snippet that I took that I actually did like, which I wish, and I think this is more like in line of what Trump would have done, was when he said, uh, I think he made a comment, well, hey, you know, how would you react or how would you like it if a cyber attack, you know, based from the United States hit your pipeline? You know, and, and I think at that moment, you kind of got a, uh, oh, 
yeah, that wouldn't be good. Really hadn't thought about that, that you're going to actually punch me in the face. Uh, and, and I think that's what Trump really brought to table one was a little bit of uncertainty, which I, I get it for the American people didn't like that too much. Um, but it's, you know, it's keeping the keeping your enemy, keeping your adversaries out there and even your allies, you know, you got to keep them guessing a little bit. You can't be so predictable. So Josh, I mean, I'll kick it over to you, man. I mean, what'd you take out of the G7 summit and the meeting with, uh, between Biden and Putin? Wow. So I took a lot out of it, but I'll put a pin in it real quick and just to, uh, revisit the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Hoover Dam. So the Hoover Dam is Lake Mead is 200 feet from what they call where you were talking about where water won't run through it through what they call the Deadpool level. And once the Deadpool level hits, water will not run through Hoover Dam and those turbines will not turn. And if those turbines aren't turning, this not generating any power. Um, you know, but those states out there, they did it to themselves, man. They absolutely 100% did it to themselves. So you go back, you look at Idaho, Oregon, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, and California. Guess what? You can collect rainwater as a private citizen in those states, but there's restrictions. Why in the world would any state restrict its residents from collecting rainwater? If I can collect rainwater and water my garden, water my flowers, you know, with no restrictions, then I'm not using water out of the reservoir to do that very thing. So it's just they, those states did it to themselves, man. If anybody thinks that more government is the answer, they have not bought a gas can from Home Depot in the last probably like 10 years. Because that's <laughs> anybody done with that, dude, the nozzle on the gas cans. Literally, you need, a, you need a degree from MIT to figure out those damn things. So anyway, so that's, all, that's what I got to say about that. As far as the G7 summit goes, it's a complete disaster. And I tell you, it, so did you see the video of Biden uh, getting lost at the at the G7 summit? He walks up on the patio and some of the other world leaders are standing there and he's like, I don't know where I'm going. And, and Joe Biden comes over and rescues him and pulls him, you know, 90 degrees the opposite direction over to where he was supposed to be walking, which he walked past. He, the, the guy, is, he, I'll shit on him. He's a bumbling idiot. Uh, you know, he yes, he is the president of the United States. I don't want to see him fail, but he's an idiot. He's not fit. He's incapable of running the country. Uh, is you know, it's it's borderline elderly abuse what they're doing to him. You know, putting that guy up there, putting him out there. Kamala Harris is a complete disaster. The Democrats have a Kamala Harris problem. The Democrats know they saw it, dude. Her. Her trip to Latin America was a complete disaster. Her interview with Lester Holt was a complete disaster. And, you know, there's been some articles put out from some pretty, you know, pretty big names on the left saying, hey, she might not, you know, she might not cut it. But here's the thing. If something happens to Biden, if Biden, they find him, you know, mentally incompetent, they, you know, 25th Amendment, dude, they can't get rid of Kamala Harris because after what they pushed, over the last, you know, however many years, you can't turn around and get rid of the black female, dude. It would, it, 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 it would just it, they they, ha- they have a problem. The Democrats have a huge problem. You know, as far as man, as far as the you know, you start talking about Putin and Biden, that summit, what an absolute disaster. You know, any, anybody who comes back and talks about you know Trump colluded with Russia and blah. Let me tell you something. Go back and look at the lethal aid package for Ukraine that the Biden White House put on hold. They basically deep sixed. He caved on the START treaty and then he lifted sanctions on Nord Stream all before he sat down with Putin. Three huge things. So you go back to the START treaty. 
everybody remember you, you guys remember open skies right it was yep. you know like it was like the third wednesday every month it's like oh my god you know Russia's flying over everybody get inside um you know and, and and put a put a camo netting over your car and so trump russia had not abided by that treaty for years. So Trump pulled us out of that. And, and, you know, of course, everybody poo-pooed on it. Everybody was like, oh, my God, he's, you know, he's going to, you know, drag us into nuclear war with, you know, with Russia and blah, blah, blah. So when Biden came in, Biden, you know, that was one of the things Biden campaigned on a couple times was, you know, he, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, the Biden administration comes in, they have a little panel to review the Open Skies Treaty and whether we should have pulled out of it or not. They confirm that, yes, we are not going to re-engage on open skies with Russia. So they they confirmed that, yes, Trump was correct and pulled us out of that treaty. Well, then in the START treaty, Russia came back with a list of things for the new START treaty. The U.S. accepted every single one of them. What did we get out of the START treaty? Nothing. We gained absolutely nothing. And then we talked about the, you know, the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, but when Biden came out in his presser and said... I gave Putin a list of 16 things that he cannot conduct cyber attacks against. And the media glossed over it. The media absolutely glossed over it. Ronald Reagan rolled it over in his grave. Instead of, instead of the president of the United States, of the most powerful country in the world, and the leader of the free world, instead of him saying, hey, here's 16, 16 things we want you to stay away from, how about... I will issue a letter of mark to every single hacker out there if we have another cyber attack on us or our allies. What are your questions? What are your questions? It is for him to come out and say, well, you can do it, but just leave these 16 things alone. And people just glossed over it. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. It's, you know, it's the same thing with the FBI abusing FISA's. You know, nobody cared. Everybody's like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, it's just business. Ah, oh, that's how politics is done. Absolutely insane. So, yeah, if you're one of those, if you fit into one of those 16 bins, good on you. You know, you're, you're looking good. If you're not, hey, man, sorry, your president who has one job in the world, which is to protect the United States, failed. Epically failed. And dude, I'd, I'd charge the guy with treason. It's just a completely <laughs> worthless human being. Completely worthless. That's my opinion. Yeah, they they said the same thing about Trump. Remember that uh, charging with treason and all this stuff. But you know, Roger uh, brought some good points about you know Arizona and the the heat wave and the water problems, um, and it got me to thinking. I'll touch on that before I hit the G seven. Um, there's two books out there that I would recommend anyone read about nature and uh, how human beings every time they get involved they pretty much screw things up. Uh, 90% of the time, nine times out of 10, uh, humans don't know what they're doing. They're operating at not at the same capacity that, that nature does. Nature is a, is a big game. And those, but those two books are a book by Michael Crichton called uh, state of fear. Uh, it's, it's a really good book, but the best part of the book actually is an essay he writes at the end that man, the, the dude had it nailed. And I think this, that book came out oof, like 2005, maybe. Um, but man, it's a good book. So Michael Crichton's State of Fear uh, kind of takes apart, you know, the global warming. It was global warming at the time, not climate change. 
and uh, he really, really delves into it. I really like his writing. Another one about humans interacting with nature in a way they don't understand is a book uh, by Max Brooks called Devolution. So I would recommend anyone read those two books. And it kind of, it, it really, both of them are fiction, but it, it puts things into perspective. You know, they're talking about uh, natural law and, you know, you know, the law of nature and things like that. So yeah, two, two good books, uh, you know, fire breaks are a good thing, you know, but, uh, man, every other time they try to do something in California, it just, they end up screwing everything up, you know, uh, so anyway, that's that's my recommendation on uh, some some homework reading for you. I think you you'd enjoy both those books. So, G seven, you know, I think it was really bad messaging with the sixteen critical infrastructure nodes. Uh, those sixteen nodes are what he mentioned was um, you know Department of Homeland Security's sixteen critical infrastructure nodes, which kind of pretty much covers everything. If you if you look through them, you can look it up on the internet. It's you know, the attack on the pipeline was a critical infrastructure node. Uh, the attack on uh, the ransomware attack on the, uh, the it used to be Iowa beef, I think it's it's called something else, but the the ah, the meatpacking uh, JBS, uh, that's critical infrastructure. So just about anything is critical for infrastructure. But I agree with Josh. It's like, hey, letter of mark, you know, it's it's game on. An attack against anything. I don't care if you're attacking, you know, if you're going after Roger's files on his computer, his homework file on his computer. If you, if we think that's coming from Russia, game on, man. Game on. Uh, we're going to throw everything at that. So I agree with you. I think it was really bad messaging to say, well, here's a list of 16. He, They might have just, they might as well have just said, here's just 16. It, it was bad messaging, man. It, it was, it was not good. So what I found most troubling was what happened in the immediate aftermath of the G7 uh, conference, uh, where Putin and, and Biden uh, sat there together, and immediately uh, the U.S. canceled uh, the Ukraine lethal aid package for $100 million. Immediately. Again, if there's a reason for that, you need to tell, what do I always say? Tell the American people the truth. We can handle it, and we'll decide whether we like that or not, but the timing of that, what are we supposed to think? I mean, oh man, I mean, that's, that's one of Russia's uh, red lines is Ukraine joining NATO. And that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons they invaded Crimea because uh, under the current NATO charter and the current NATO rules, you can't join NATO if there's an active conflict going on within your borders. So there's an active conflict in two key critical countries that a lot of people want in NATO is Ukraine, Crimea, it's an active conflict in the Donbass, and Georgia, uh, the country of Georgia. Those two countries can't join NATO right now because the borders aren't clearly defined because of the conflict. And now we're pulling a lethal aid package from Ukraine. I mean, after the G7 summit, you can't tell me that wasn't talked about. You can't tell me that there's not going to be a wait for it quid pro quo. There's something going on. I don't like it. And one of the reasons I don't like it is not just because of the substance of it, is because people with their cognitive dissonant, hypocritical, non-thinking, I'm trying not to curse here. <laughs> if, if, if Trump was still the president or any Republican was still the president and they came away from the G7 with just that, 
A day after, you know, we cancel a lethal aid pack. Oh, he's a traitor. Oh, quid pro quo. He's working with Russia. It's just, man, the people who can't see their what, what they said and how they behaved two years ago is just all the sycophants on, on Twitter, the blue check marks saying, oh, it's a great summit. You know, Biden's just America's back. America's back. Oh, man, I could go off on this. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go down my globalist uh, globalist path here on America's back. But I'm telling you, the, these leaders, especially France and Germany, are licking their chops right now because America's back to them means, man, we're going we're gonna to get what we want again. And, you know, the Trump administration was holding Germany's feet to the fire, specifically Germany. Because Germany is the center of gravity for the EU. France will try to tell you they are, but it's really Germany. They're the center of gravity for the European Union. And Trump was holding their feet to the fire. And they were actually, Germany was actually coming up with a plan to meet its 2% uh, NATO spending goal, 2% of GDP going into, uh, into uh, national defense. And 20% of that had to be on modernization. And they were on their way. And Germany did not like that. So now they're getting what they want. You know, I, I found it particularly entertaining uh, looking at some of the pictures. I don't know what was going on. I don't know the context exactly of when this picture was taken. But, man, there's a picture out there of Macron wagging his finger at Joe Biden. And, it, and Joe Biden's like leaned back and looks like he's just getting the business. And, again, there could have been context to that. But, man, it just was not a good look. It wasn't a good picture. Maybe we'll put that somewhere in the cover photo this week. And then when when Trump snapped at the media, that was one of my favorite parts, when he snapped at that CNN reporter asking about uh, Putin changing his behavior, and Joe Biden just lost it. Uh, he, he since came back and apologized and said, I kind of was a wiseacre. I think those were his exact words. I shouldn't have been such a wiseacre. Come on, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what good came out of the G7. Um the only good I saw were sycophantic reporters, you know, and media personalities and corporate media saying Europe is really glad America is back. But I mean, well, what's the tangible? I mean, Roger, what, did you find any tangibles? I mean, you were saying I'm not going to bag on the president or whatever. You know, anything good come out of that? I mean, that you've been able to find? Not from a, uh, a United States interest, you know, perspective. I mean, for, you know, to bring out the globalist uh, in me, you know, yeah, the rest of the world's happy that, you know, America's quote unquote back, because like you said, you know, the bank is open, you know, money's going to start flowing again. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, I don't really care if, you know, what France thinks. I don't really care what Brussels thinks or what Germany thinks. Now, I get it. You have to have allies and you have to have relationships and this and that. But, you know, France is going to do what they got to do to take care of their country and their economy. Uh, same thing with Germany and every other country in the world. Uh, and so what I feel like is the U.S. has, you know, you always talk, you always hear like back in the 80s, like this new world order and this and that. And the big problem with that, you know, since they made nationalism such a bad word uh, over the last several years is it's no longer, at least I don't feel that it's no longer an America first agenda. You know, when you have... Um, now, I get it if you're, you know, the UN or NATO, okay, because now you're talking about an organization and all the members, and so you're trying to move an organization's agenda forward. But as a country, we should be pushing our agenda forward. Um, you know, the big thing that, you know, he hit it, both of you guys hit it on the head with the whole cyber attack thing. You know, it's like we've rewarded bad behavior. 
And so we think that, so first of all, if you think Russia is going to be like, okay, we're going to be hands off on these 16. We'll just attack everything else. That ain't going to happen. Basically what that means is we're still going to attack these 16, but now it's, it's, you know, it's game on for any, you know, any other industry that doesn't fall within those 16. You know, the, and I'm looking at the notes here and I, you know, I actually have it. It's funny because I actually have it written down, you know, talking about China, you know, the whole goal or not the whole goal. One of the major um, objectives of the G7 was to come up with a, you know, unifying message and a plan of action to combat China. Right. Uh, and, and along the global warming, uh, you know, uh, lines and, and a couple other, uh, you know, a couple other areas, but, Basically, they just came back and said, hey, uh, our plan is to come up with a plan. One, China's not there, okay? And you can argue whether they should be there, they shouldn't be there, whatever. Um, you know, and I don't know all the backlog behind that, you know, if they were even invited and they turned it down or, or what have you. But it's like, to me, you, you should probably have China at the table somewhere, uh, you know, along with Russia and along with the rest of them. But, you know, it's like, they didn't really, they didn't really address China. You, you know, actually, I don't even think I heard, I think I heard the one statement that came out. It's like, Hey, we're, we're basically, our plan is to make a plan to com, you know, combat China's climate change efforts. Because right now, like in China and, and Josh, you have to refresh my memory. I forget what their, what is it? The Belt Road Initiative or whatever. And then, you know, when you talk about climate change and, um, you know, in China, basically what they've done is shut down a lot of their coal plants and rebuild them in Cambodia. You know, so just, you know, it's like, oh, and, and, you know, and that's the thing is that's what the media that unfortunately that's what you see is the headline. Hey, look how strong the administration is. China shut down a coal plant. Well, yeah, they shut down a coal plant and they rebuilt it in another country. Right. Uh, so just the fact of shutting it down and rebuilding it probably doubled the amount of pollution anyway. Uh, and then firing up in another country, you're just skewing the metrics, right? You're, you're, you're skewing the stats. What I did think was funny, and Josh, I don't know if you saw this or not. Did you see the, uh, the media hot mic uh, before Biden went up when they were talking about uh, questions to ask him? I heard something about it. I didn't see it. Yeah, they were basically, I don't know who the reporters were, uh, but there were like three or four reporters and, and there was a hot mic going on in the room or whatever. And uh, they're like, oh, all right. So what kind of questions are we going to ask uh, President Biden when he comes out? And it's like, well, hey, I'm going to ask him, you know, what, what's his favorite ice cream? And somebody else was like, yeah, and I'm going to ask him. You know. So even they get it right. I mean, they, you think they're, you know, just oblivious to what's going on. I, I think these individual reporters, they get it. They know the questions they've been throwing to them are softballs. Anything that gets into any type of weeds, uh, as you saw uh, at, at the end when he was walking off, you know, he snaps back because the reality is, you know, being personable or charming, if you want to call it that way, uh, and just being a nice guy and smiling, that only gets you so far. I mean, well, clearly it gets you the presidency, I guess. So I guess it takes you a long way. But eventually you have to get down to, hey, here's what we're doing. You have to get down to where the rubber meets the road and start answering the hard questions. You know, and so it's like on the surface, you know, it's like the whole Kamala Harris thing that Luke brought up. I mean, where has that lady been? It's been 90 days and she hasn't been to the border. You know, and that, that interview with Lester Holt was a train. Well, I haven't been to Europe. Like, what has that got to do with the border? It's like, man, you know, and, and the sad thing is they are so, and this is my problem with, with politicians, left and right. They are so dug into this, right, this narrative that they have going on with the border now that they refuse to eat any type of crow and start taking action. And you know what? 
when we came in, we thought we had some plans and we thought we had some actions to, you know, combat the uh, illegal immigration in the United States. Not all of them were as effective as we thought. So, hey, you know what? Kamala Harrison, go down to the border. Uh, let's meet some of the governors down there, meet some of the local mayors. Let's, co- you know, reassess and come up with a plan of action. This, But they're so far dug in that they won't do any of that. You know, it's just the, hey, if we don't talk about it and we don't cover it, then it doesn't happen. You know, and right now with the left media, nobody's covering the border. You know, Fox News, you know, continues to cover it. And I think OAN and Newsmax continues to cover it. But like the left, the media, they're not covering it at all. And there are thousands and thousands of these folks coming over. And you can't even get the vice president to go down there. And what was her answer? She was like, well, we've been there. Well, you haven't been there as the vice president. I mean, you went down there for a photo op, right? Like AOC taking her picture in the parking lot. Where are all those cats at now? You know, it's to the point now where you have uh, Governor Abbott out of Texas saying, hey, Texas is going to throw up $250 million to build the wall because the wall was effective. You know, I mean, it just, it kills me. You know, it goes back to the, uh, it goes back to the whole media coverage of everything. It's like, I don't know if, if it's like an ignorance is bliss thing. Like if, if that, um, and maybe I just need to start watching more CNN and MSNBC and getting on those blogs, but I, I just, I can't do it cause it, it hurts my head is, is what happens. But it's like, do you guys and gals not see what's going on or do you just not care? Or it's a matter of, Hey, if uh, my news source isn't reporting on it, then yeah, you know, it, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, it's obviously a big deal to us out here in Arizona. It's going to be a big deal uh, to Luke when he gets back to, you know, to Texas. Uh, but it should be a big deal to, to every American because that's also a piece of national security, right? Uh, because I think just recently they just, they just arrested a couple people coming across that either had terrorist ties or I think it was two or three folks uh, that had some previous terrorist ties and this and that. So how many are here that we don't know about? I mean, if you haven't seen the videos uh, down in Del Rio, it's, uh, dude, it's incredible because, I mean, these folks are coming across. And, and you know what? I mean, the thing is, they're, they're, uh, these groups are being tactical about this thing and, and strategic because you'll have a 1,000 people sitting there. They all come across. Most of them are like, hey, you know, yes, turning myself in. You know, they're waiting for Border Patrol. Well, then now you have these, whether they're criminal elements or, you know, terrorist elements or whatever, they're coming in, and then you've got your squirters. So they're starting to learn, right? So what happens is the Border Patrol is undermanned down there as it is. Uh, they're busy processing these thousand people that are coming in at a time. And then at first it was one group of squirters, three or four people. Hey, we're cutting the bush. And then the Border Patrol has to go chase them. And they're realizing, well, wow, they can only chase one group of squirters at a time. So now you're starting to see a thousand people come across. And now you're starting to see three and four different cells of squirters, right? That as soon as these guys, you know, come up in contact with a border patrol, uh, three or four packs take off in different directions, knowing that, yeah, border patrol is probably going to catch one group, not the other three. You know, it's, it's Josh, I don't know about you, man, but it's, dude, it is mind-boggling how they're just, one, the media slant, because listening to the media, the G7 was great. It was great. I mean, it was the highlight of, of Biden's administration so far. And again, it comes back to, hey, uh, so what metrics did you base greatness off of? Like, tell me, don't tell me, you know, it goes back to Trump thing. Oh, it's going to be huge. It's going to be great. Tell me how, what did we get out of the G seven that made it great? Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, what's the deal with the media, dude? I mean, we know where they're in the pocket of the left. I mean, is it just like, Hey, we don't report on it. And so their fan base is just oblivious and they're happy. 
I think it's a it's a whole lot, it's a whole lot of things. Um, you know, for the border, it's it's cognitive dissonance. Uh, you know, as Luke pointed out earlier, it's uh, identity politics. It's you know, politics in general, uh, you know, AOC hasn't been down there. There's still kids in cages. There were kids in cages before Trump. There are kids in cages during Trump, and there's still kids in cages. But Trump's not in the office, and we don't have to read mean tweets anymore, so people don't care. They, they it's okay, well, that's done, and and that's that. You know, it is the with the. So I sat. So when I was still active duty. My striker brigade went down and supported JTF North. Uh, we sat on the border, lived out of our strikers for 60 days, and sat up there, and we used, you know, our, our surveillance equipment, um, you know, to, to, to watch the border. And, you know, when we saw, all right, hey, there's a group of, you know, pick a number. Probably one of the biggest group we saw was about 100. Hey, there's a group of approximately 100 people, you know, at this grid location. And, you know, obviously, so active duty military is not out there arresting folks, posse comitatus and all that. The Border Patrol agents assigned to us would be like, all right, I'll be right back. Yeah. And they would go out there and, you know, they come up on a big group and you got one or two Border Patrol agents rolling up on a group of 100, you know, about 100 people in the middle of the night. One, I'll hand it to the Border Patrol agents. They, those guys and gals. Absolutely, absolutely out there, you know, doing doing the Lord's work. And you want to talk about, you know, dude, you know, we we went somewhere, you know, overseas. You know, yeah, we were, you know, we were singletons at times. But by and large, man, we had, you know, we had, you know, 20 dudes with, with weapons with us. Um, these Border Patrol agents, man, they're rolling up on, on, on groups of dozens of folks, sometimes by themselves. So I'll, I'll definitely hand it to them. But yeah, once those people, once they show up, man, 100 people, hey, man, I'm running. Okay, well, one or two Border Patrol agents, I'm going yeah, to catch a couple of you. I'm not catching all of you. And that's just, you know, it's a whole thing with drugs, you know, for every, you know, every drug bust they have on the border, you know, 10 got through that you didn't get. So I, I don't know what it's going to, I don't know what it's going to take to get people's head out of the sand. Unfortunately, if you go back and you look at history, it's going to take a catastrophic event. It's going to take a significant emotional event to the United States to get everybody to pull their head out of their butts and pay attention. And, you know, that's going to be some 9-11 type, you know, scenario, some Pearl Harbor type, you know, issue that's going to have to happen. You know, it's like change in the military. How does change in the military really, truly happen? Meaningful change. It usually takes something catastrophic. People are just like, oh, okay, yeah, you, you guys you guys were telling us that this was a safety issue. Well, now, now that X number of people are dead, I guess we'll change it now. Well, that's great, but it's not great for the people who are dead. So, I, I don't know. The, the media is a disaster. We don't have a media. You know, our media right now is, is, is folks like Tim Pool. That's really, truly our media. Because you go back and uh, who was it on CNN? Jim Jim Zeleny, Zeleny, uh, I'm uh, pronouncing his name wrong. He got upset after the uh, after the Biden Putin summit because they were pulling Biden away. You know, after after he blew up on the uh, reporter Caitlin, Caitlin Collins. After he did that, they were pulling him away. You know, his aides were pulling him away, telling him to ask questions. So CNN, the CNN anchor, gets upset that aides are protecting Biden. And they're not allowing him to, you know, answer questions. And it was like, okay, you, you're just now going to bring this up. You're just now noticing this, bro. This was this has been an issue for years. 
even when he was president, they slowly got him away from the mic because they were like, Uncle Joe's going to say something stupid. Do not let him near a microphone or a camera because he's going to say something stupid. And now, I mean, how long was it before he gave his first press conference? And even his first press conference, he couldn't even get that right. It was like, um, well, let me see where am I here. All right, I'm supposed to call on you over there. You know, he had, hey, you will only call on these reporters, and those reporters already had the questions that they were going to ask. Kind of like, you know, I gave you guys. Kind of like Sergeant Majors do. You know how that goes, Roger. Yeah. Hey, when a Sergeant Majors Army shows up, <laughs> you're going you're, you're gonna to ask them this question private. Here you go. Um, no, no sua sponte questions for you. So it... <laughs> It just the media is complicit. The the American people are complicit uh, by and large because they've accepted this. We've accepted this in our politics. We've on, and this is on both sides of the aisle. We've accepted what we've been told. We've accepted what we've been fed. We refuse to question it. When you question it, you're racist. You know, you're a fascist. You're this. You're that. You know, pick a side. You're the opposite. It's just. You know, it's like when your computer's lagging and, and everything's messed up. What do you got to do? You got to turn it off and turn it back on. And, and, and I think that's where we're at <laughs> as a nation. At some point, man, like we're going to have, we're going to have a catastrophic event and everybody's going to realize, hey, we got to turn it off and turn it back on to reset this thing. Uh, because it's just you can't do anything. Dude, Biden, you guys elected a 70 year old man with early onset Alzheimer's. The guy couldn't even keep Syria and Libya straight at the G7. He kept getting Syria and Libya mixed up. He was like, you know, Bashar and Libya, you know, he was talking about Bashar al-Assad. He was like, bro, that's Syria. I know they have the same number of letters. I know it's confusing. I know they. I, I both know they have EI in them. But you're, I'm gonna need you to. I need you to stick with this for like just a couple minutes. Just stay with it. You know. And some of the other world leaders came out and you know they even said Biden wasn't attentive. He was just you know he wasn't president. At least Trump paid attention during the summits. You know they might not like they, they didn't like what he said, which is fine because Trump put America first. Trump, you know he he took the checkbook away from Merkel. He took the checkbook away from Macron. It was like, no, you're going to pay your fair share. Everybody's all about paying, you know, everybody paying their fair share until it's time for them to pay their fair share. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, you're being a bully. You're mean. I don't care if my president is mean. I want my president to be a bully. I want my president to put our country first. I don't want to put another country first. I don't even want him to put Great Britain first. I don't want to put the Canadians first. I don't want the Mexicans to be first. I want America first. And you know what? People in other countries, you should want your country first. And that's fine. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. But like you said, you know, now nationalism, you know, it's a, that's a bad word. That's a bad word now. There, there, people are, you know, conflating that with being a Nazi. <laughs> but why? Yep. Because, because I want my country first? Are you kidding me? It's crazy. It's absolutely, it's absolutely insane. I don't know. Again, I don't. I don't know what the fix is, Luke. Um, I, I honestly think it's going to have to take a you know a significant emotional event in Americans' lives that's going to impact this country as a whole to to change it. May, yeah, maybe. I mean, de- definitely a, a, a significant event would change things uh, somehow, uh, for sure. But I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on right before our eyes that. Uh, we'll look back and we'll be like, oh, that's when it started, or that was an issue. You know, it, there's just a, there, there are um, seismic, 
you know, continental drift type changes going on. And you're, you're, you're right. You guys are both right. I mean, when, when we say the media, we don't trust the media and all that stuff. It's not all media. It's corporate media. There used to be a thing old Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us about called the military industrial complex, you know, and it is kind of, it is an issue. You know, it is an issue. You know, it drives policy sometimes. It drives wars. But there still is a quote unquote military industrial complex. It's it's plain for everyone to see, uh, at least for the three of us. Uh, but there's there's another complex. I'll, I'll kind of label it the corporate media law government complex. So those those things, corporations, media, uh, you know, and politicians, lawmakers, you're seeing a confluence of those three things come together. So corporate media, see, I'm going to go down the list, man, not completely, but CNN, the old gray lady, New York Times, or the gray lady, which is the newspaper of record for our country, by the way. Hey, Fox News is corporate media. It is. I mean, we like what we hear when we go over there because it's a you know it, it's more in line with the way we think about things. But if you think Fox isn't a corporation out there for ratings and to make money, man, you got another thing coming. You know, it's like Josh said, it's it's the smaller outlets. They're in it to make money too, but they are not beholden to their corporate masters. Uh, oh, let me let me give a quick example. I got a lot to say, but let me give a quick example. If you turn on Fox News or CNN or any one of them, one of the majority of the commercials you see or maybe not the majority, but on every break, there is a, an advertisement, usually 30 seconds to a minute long, about some sort of pharmaceutical. You know, and, it, and it's funny because you wait till the end, and it goes down the list of negative side effects will cause anal leakage and possibly sudden death in some cases. It can You can develop cancer, you know, some, you know, and it's like, Jesus, and the cure is worse than the disease at this point. But is it really in those company's best interest, like if a, if that same uh, pharmaceutical company is paying them millions of dollars for advertising, does it behoove them to give a real story about something negative that that pharmaceutical company did? It does not. So they will shy away from that. It's like Cristiano or Cristiano or Christi, I think it's Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, big soccer player, best in the world, apparently. I'm not a big soccer fan, but you know, he, he, uh, he went to sit down for a press conference and, uh, he took two Coke bottles off the, off the, you know, the table he was at, put them under and pulled out some water and put that there. And he's like, I drink this. And Coca-Cola lost a ton of money because he did that. And it's, if you didn't know in Central and South America, it's, uh, you know, obesity is, is becoming a problem down there. And a lot of people blame Coca-Cola. Because now everyone's drinking sugary drinks, and it's not just Coke. They own a lot of different uh, 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 drinks and a lot of different types of food. And so Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, absolutely was making a political statement doing that. And uh, they they came back, and uh, the UEFA reminded all of their players to, hey, don't trash the corporate sponsors. Because, I mean, dude, they lost like $400 million. Coca-Cola lost like $400 million in a span of like 12 yeah. hours after he did that. So that was kind of crazy. So I wanted to back up uh, talking about uh, the corporate media versus the smaller outlets. Right, Josh, you know, Tim Pool, I'm a big fan of his, you know, everybody knows that. Uh, and he's actually been hiring reporters. He hired, um, ah, blanking on her name, but he just hired a pool of five reporters with independent fact checkers. And Jack Posobiec actually um, 
broke a story out of the G7 where one of his sources, uh, who, who he stands by, overheard uh, Trudeau saying that he expects Kamala Harris to be president by 2022. Uh, and that was overheard, private conversation. So, yeah, word of mouth, but still, I mean, he did break that story. So, yeah, you know, Texas building its own border wall. Um, yeah, Governor Abbott uh, put down a $250 million down payment on that, and he's expecting to try to crowdsource the rest of it. So if I can get a brick with my name on it uh, in the wall, I will definitely donate to that. Uh, so... You know, Florida, I think it was interesting. Uh, and this is, I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent here. Give me like two or three minutes. Uh, I mean, these guys are growing impatient. They want to talk again. But DeSantis is sending law enforcement or offered, yeah, C3 brick in the wall. Good call, Josh. But DeSantis is sending uh, law enforcement to help out at the border in Texas. I don't have all the details behind that. But I found that to be a very interesting development because let me bring it back around to these shifts are taking place before our eyes. And I'm not, I like history, but uh, I like history, but I don't know every, you know, aspect of history. And what we're seeing now with DeSantis sending federal, or not federal, state law enforcement to help Texas, I think that that's something that is significant because you're starting to see signs of a peaceful divorce, if you will, certain states banding together. You know, uh, I didn't see DeSantis offer Lori Lightfoot any money uh, to, to help uh, or any law enforcement officers to help the uh, the horrible, horrible crime situation in Chicago. But he is helping Texas because they, DeSantis and Abbott, line up on a lot of political issues. You know, you're seeing states help each other like that. Lawsuits between states. I mean, my goodness. After the election, 48 states, 48 states were engaged in lawsuits against other states. Texas was the first when they filed lawsuit against uh, Pennsylvania. You know, you're seeing a, a lot of movement. We talk about it between blue and red states. You're seeing a lot of people from California move to Florida, Texas, Idaho, Montana. You know, they're, they're tired of it. You're seeing movement of people. I don't see a lot of movement from red states to blue states. I don't see a lot of people clamoring to move to New York, to move to uh, Illinois, you know, so on and so forth. You know, massive federal bailouts to blue states, blue cities by the federal government that, hey, red states who aren't having as much of a problem with COVID or city management or whatever, they're paying federal tax to bail out a blue state. I mean, it's frustrating. You know, Lori Lightfoot, declaring that uh, racism is a public health emergency, and she diverted millions in funds for COVID to combat racism in Chicago. It's like, man, I mean, you're taking COVID money, which is still a thing. We're not out of that yet. And diverting it to, toward some nebulous racism. What are your policies going to be on that? It's, it's, it's just, it's insane. You're going to alienate a lot of people who don't vote for you anyway, but that's just another impetus for them to leave. You know, Buckhead, Atlanta, or Buckhead, it's a suburb of Atlanta. Maybe Josh has heard of it. It's a wealthy suburb outside of Atlanta, of Atlanta. Um, and it's going to be its own city now uh, because uh, it's a wealthy neighborhood and a jogger got shot in a drive-by uh, like three or four times. The guy lived, but there was no police response to that shooting or very little. And it arrived late. And they're like, well, we can't trust the Atlanta police. So we're just going to make our own. We're going to make our own city. So I, I think a lot of things are happening right now. I'd have to look back in history to see if and when something like this happened. 
you know, I'm not chanting, I'm not saying civil war or anything like that, but I am saying, I think we're seeing signs of like peaceful divorce. And, you know, I, I'm not for peaceful divorce. I'm not for that. But I am for states uh, acting more independently from the federal government. So that's that's my spiel, man. I, I talked a lot there. I made a lot of notes while y'all were talking. So I'm going to kick it back to Roger for his thoughts. Man, I said a lot. My, my mouth's dry. No, I tell you, you got me a little fired up. I was sitting here chomping at the bit because once you start talking about Lori Lightfoot and the ten million dollars or whatever it was to you know racism and you know city emergency, it's just it goes back to and yeah, I'm going to rant on it again. It's like this is your money, this is our money. It's like you're spending my money. You know, those of us that sit there and and, and you know the government takes what. 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 percent, whatever, depending on our listeners out there, whatever tax bracket you're in. It's like they take that out of your check every single month or week or however you get paid. Then the state takes their money out. County may take their money out. City may take their money out. And they invest it in, you know. So right now, clearly, the biggest problem Chicago has is racism. It's not like the 38, you know, shootings that happen over any given weekend, right? Uh, and that's what pisses me off. It's like it's people's money, and I think I forget it, it's it's on the it's in the back of my mind. There was a, um, I think it may have been Chicago. I don't know if one of you guys know the uh, like a bunch of was it a bunch of companies or a county or something like that uh, refusing to pay taxes if like the crime rate doesn't drop. I forget what it was. Uh, I had to Google. I think there was. A, I can't remember if it was companies or whatever. Like, hey, look. Um, I think it was actually may have been a, a local government that was like, hey, until, you know, like the crime rate drops and we can get people back on the streets and, and this and that, it's like, we're not going to pay taxes anymore. And I will tell you this, the one thing that I, you know, I, to sum up like my whole feelings about everything Luke's saying, I do love to see it. I love to see it. I don't like to see the unrest and this, that, but I love to see action at the local level. Uh, I love to see states band together. I like to see, you know, these counties and cities. And uh, I, I love to see, you know, these politicians, uh, good or bad, or, you know, depending on what side of the aisle you follow on, but, you know, some of them are, are having to finally listen to their constituents. They're having to listen to their voters. Hey, man, I live in this state. Uh, this is what I want to see happen. And, and so I love to see the push at the local level. And I think Josh typed up national divorce. And I do think you start to see that because, you know, what, what I'm going to be curious with when you talk about uh, Texas building the wall and you talk about the help that Florida is doing and, you know, I think that's just going to continue to spread, right? I think, uh, and you've seen it to some extent with like firefighters and it's like Arizona sends folks out and, you know, and even California sends folks in to help or whatever. But it kind of makes me wonder, and, and I want to track this, I'm waiting for the federal lawsuit to come out. I mean, surely the Biden administration is going to sue the state of Texas to stop them from building that wall. I don't know on what grounds, right? But uh, they'll go to some court somewhere, right? Uh, some federal court. And, and so I think it brings up that battle between, you know, your federal government and states. And, and I do like to see, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Luke. You know, they're saying that they'll pull some sort of funding. So it's like, hey, if you do this, you don't get this amount of money, right? So I do like to see the states take the power back because they are a better, represent, uh, you know, better representation of the people that live there. Because the reality is, you know, for those that don't track government, uh, you know, that closely, it's like, okay, we have a variety of forms of government that make up our country. And at the federal level, and especially when you talk about the president, you're a republic. 
Okay, it's not a direct representation. Your direct representation is down at the state level and at your city level and your county level and township or, or whatever else. So I love to see the pushback uh, at the local levels. I love to see the state, um, you know, take some control because I have less issue. Like in my town, my town's growing like crazy. And I have less issue uh, paying my state taxes because, you know, I see my roads improving. I see the schools getting better. Like I can see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. Now I get it. You have national objectives. And, and so some money has to go to that. And uh, you have national projects and, and there's national level infrastructure and foreign policy and, and, and this and that. But to see some of this money just get thrown around, like it's, uh, it's like, man, this is, this is our stuff, you know? And back when we, my, you know, Josh and I were government employees and, and Luke, when, you know, he was back with us. And even now it's like, we were always taught to be good stewards of the taxpayer's money. You know, and it's and it's crazy when we would go out on you know temporary duty somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to eat this meal here, even though I know I can get this, or I'm going to stay here, even though I know I can stay there. You know, we're sitting here trying to save a couple bucks, like literally ten, fifteen dollars, and these guys and gals are blowing fifty billion dollars at a time. I mean, we had the we had the one budget you know podcast what a couple episodes ago or whatever we went through, and it's it's like billions and billions of dollars. Hey, you know what? What I would kind of like is for you to give that money back to me, uh, as in like not take it out of my paycheck. And you know what would happen when you did that? I would actually take that money, and one, I would put some in savings, uh, so you know my you know my dependency on the federal government as I retire becomes less and less. But the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take that money and I'm going to go spend it. I'm going to go spend it at my local level. The problem is, I think what they see, and it's kind of like the bailout with these blue states, I think what they see is that these folks in these red states and, and the majority of these red states will take care of themselves. And the blue states won't. And then you don't have, at that point, you don't have a reason to, or justification to bail them out. So it's just easier, right, for the federal government just to take all the money and just say, ah, oh, we're just going to divvy it out across, you know, across the table to people that need it. I don't want to pay to bail out California or Michigan. You did it to yourself because your governor shut your state down. I didn't vote to shut your state down. That was on you. You know, when, when Ducey did his thing here and uh, I think we were shut down for like two weeks or, or whatever it was, you know, I was pissed. You know, one, I thought it was an abuse of power. Um, and it's like, hey, I didn't vote on that. You know, that should be my choice. So that's, you know, that's where I get frustrated with the, uh, you know, with the national level. But I, I do see the, the, you know, you're, like you said, with the states bonding together. I mean, dude, I love to see it. I love to see the grassroots movements. I think it gets bigger and I think it gets bolder. Uh, and I think it continues at least through the next, uh, you know, year of the Biden administration and then the, the final two years of the, of the Harris administration, um, which I tell you this, I think, uh, and, and Josh alluded to this, you know, with the whole 25th Amendment. There are, you know, the, the rumor mill and the gossip, you know, whatever gossip circles, but you're starting to hear people like, I don't think Kamala is the answer. And so, you know, we may be doing a little bit of uh, literally weekend at Bernie's with Biden to keep him in office for four years, because now you're already hearing uh, what he was the former, uh, I forget what they call it, the former uh, physician to the White House. I think he's out in Texas now, uh, but he was on the news last week saying, hey, he should take a, uh, like a, t- a cognitive ability test or whatever. I mean, he's like, absolutely, he should, because the people should know, you know, hey, is your president, you know, is he there enough that he can run the country, right? He's like, hey, Trump took one, right? They said, oh, Trump's crazy. Remember the, how he was 
holding his his glass of water and then the the 300 million you know doctors like oh look at him he's got you know alzheimer's and he's got you know parkinson's and and whatever else and then oh you know he almost slipped down the ramp you know what was raining at west point and oh man he's in this guy's got to take tests and then he passes them all right uh testosterone level like 400 times what most people have it at his age so i don't know what he's what he's juicing there but it's like hey uh i would want the same thing for biden and i would tell you this I mean, I want it for for any of them. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I want to know that the guy or gal that we elected uh, as as the president, right, to to make sure that they're especially as as our politicians are getting older and, and we're seeing our presidents older. Because there is a a definite difference when you look at Trump's mental competence versus Biden's mental competence. So you know, going back to Josh's thing, I, I you know there are a lot of people out there that are like. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm seeing now what Luke is saying, uh, breaking news, Biden's dog champ passed away. Is that the one that bit people? So did they bite the Clintons or something like that? I bet champ bit Hillary. That's what it is. <laughs> champ bit Hillary and, uh, suicided himself. Hmm. Did, it, did they say how he died or how he passed away? Or was he like shot because he, he bit somebody else? No, I, I, I don't know. I'm reading yeah. it. I'm so reading anyway, it right that, now. You know, that's my... <laughs> <laughs> that's my thoughts on that. I, I do think that, uh, you know, Josh, you hit on the head, man. There are a lot of people on the left, like maybe we need to keep Biden in office for four years because, uh, you know, and I'll be the first to say it. I was totally wrong on this thing. I thought for sure you were going to see the, you know, Kamala Harris show. I do. I, you know, I would have bet on it. Right. She is running this country and this, dude, she ain't running Jack. The only thing Kamala's running is her mouth. Uh, and oh, by the way, anybody who comes out against Kamala Harris is a sexist and a racist. If you don't like Kamala Harris, if you say she shouldn't be president, you're a racist and a sexist. Just so you know, hey, remember the hate. rules, hey, dude, Asian hate. Yep, hey, remember the rules, Asian. man. The left, the left, the left made the rules. Just say we're just playing by them. You're racist and you're sexist if you if you don't think Kamala Harris is uh, ready to be president. Yeah, so a lot to unpack there, right? So that national divorce, the national divorce is coming. There's a you know a, a coworker of mine, you know, he says it time and time again. He's like the national divorce is coming, and if you watch it, man, there there are indicators everywhere. You turn around, you know, the states. Some of the states are kind of banding together. You know, against uh, against the federal government and stepping in where the federal government has it, which is which I, I would rather see that than see the federal government step in because the government usually screws everything up when they touch it. They, they just they touch something and it automatically it just they, they mess it up. And that's just what government does. You know, you've got uh, you've got those five counties. And I, I haven't looked at them in a while, but you had those five counties up in eastern Oregon that were petitioning to uh, break away and become part of Idaho because they were done with Oregon. They, they were tired of, you know, Oregon politics. They were tired of the governor. They were tired of, you know, the uh, the far left up there. And uh, did you guys see the, uh, the anti-riot squad in Portland? Every single one of them resigned. 50 officers, 50 police officers resigned out of Portland because one of their officers was charged, he got in trouble for using a baton on an Antifa protester at some point over the course of the last year, you know, year and a half. And uh, so, you know, the video and everything that came out, it, the, the police officer was 100% in the right. And, uh, but so, you know, he got in trouble, got suspended, got fired or something. So 50 of the uh, anti-riot officers quit from the anti-riot squad. Just when Portland, you know, needed probably 50 more, 100 more, 
you know, officers on their uh, on their anti riot squad, the entire squad, the, you know, the entire unit quit. And I, you know what, I love it. I want, I, I would love to see every police officer in the United States walk off the job tomorrow, and just let it ride for for three weeks. Let it ride for three weeks with zero police on the street, and see what happens. Um, you know, you turn around, you look at San Francisco. Did you guys see the video in San Francisco of the guy who rode his bike into the CVS and was filling up a trash bag on the aisle? And the, the reporter standing there watching. You're standing but there he had watching. A mask. And, he was wearing right, a mask, he had, though, he, so it was hey, good. He had, he had a mask on, so he was good. And, uh, you know, the reporter's watching. Somebody else like, well, it's probably something he needs. And so, you know, they went on. They were interviewing folks out on the street. And people were like, we need more police here. What is going on? This is wrong. This should not be happening. Uh, CVS has closed 11 stores in San Francisco. In San Francisco, CVS has closed 11 stores in the last year, all due to theft. Walgreens is looking at the same. I'm telling you, these big cities, they're going to have they're going to need more and more bailouts right now. You know, and, and in the near future because of, you know, that stuff right there and what you're talking about, uh, you know, the the leftist policies and the crime is just crazy. So that mall in Buckhead, so Buckhead, Atlanta, so very, very familiar with Buckhead. I've been there numerous, numerous times. So in Buckhead, you have Lenox Mall. Lenox Mall is where, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue, that is where, you know, the Atlanta Braves, the Falcons, and the Hawks players, that's where they shop. Anybody who's anybody in Atlanta with some coin, that's where they shop at Lenox, is at Lenox Mall. You can't go to Lenox Mall anymore. It's like the Walmart in Fayetteville, North Carolina at Skybo and uh, Yakin. People don't get robbed in the parking lot (laughs) of Lenox Mall. People get robbed inside the mall itself. Right. You're you're you know, you're at Champ Sports, you're in Macy's and you're getting robbed inside the store, not in the parking lot when you go to your car. Um, a lady got assaulted, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, two 15 year old kids just shot somebody in the uh, in the mall uh, a couple days ago. And people just don't go. To, they do all the people with money and influence and power in Atlanta don't go to Linux Mall anymore because it's you know, it's become spring. It's become Springfield Mall, you know, old Springfield Mall. People are, you know, getting murdered in the parking lot. Why? Because police are bad, and you know we go back all the way, you know, to Rayshard Brooks, and uh, you know, oh, I'm just sleeping in the drive-through at Wendy's, and uh, I forget what episode you know <laughs> we did on that. You know, you go back, and you know the the Atlanta mayor, uh, what's her name, Keisha Bottoms, you know, fired police officer right out the gate, no investigate, no not, just fired him, and. So now police officers are like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll respond to that. Oh, sorry, man, I just can't get there. There's so much traffic. Yeah, you're just going to have to deal with it. They're not even responding to thefts anymore. If you come out and you find your car broken into or if you're, you know, you get robbed, they're not even, if you're not hurt, they're not responding. They're like, come to the station and file a report. That's where, that's where it's at right now. That's where these cities are at. And it's all, Hey, man, I love seeing people start saying we're not paying taxes until you fix the problems in which we pay you to fix through our taxes. I love it. I love seeing people throw that tea in the harbor like that. Oh, man, it gets, dude, it gets, it gets my blood going. Um, it's one of the most American things you can do. It's just, fucking, man, I love it. You, you know what? And that's so such much. a, real quick, and that's such a change because if you go back and look at Rudy Giuliani when he was the mayor back in New York, uh, and crime rates were, you know, through the roof. People don't realize that he brought the crime rate down by putting more cops on the street. And like the one of the biggest factors uh, that that led to the crime rate coming down was he was taking old school buses and turning them into makeshift uh, courtrooms. 
So he was parking these buses like every four or five blocks, <laughs> and he's putting a judge in there. So, you know, because part of the problem was cops were arresting people. And, you know, I mean, we've all seen like SVU and this and they're like, oh, all right, I'll sit here for, you know, 10 days and wait for processing. And it's like, nope, your ass is going inside. That's, like, hey, that's a school bus. Yep, there's a judge in there. You go in there and they boom, process you and get you out. You know, and it was, uh, you know, you, you hate to see more government, but we, uh, you look at New York, you know, it's very easy. You look at that model back when Giuliani uh, came in and now look at New York. So sorry, cut in, but that's for our viewers out there and listeners, go back and do a little reading on Giuliani when he took over as mayor and look at, at some of the stuff he did. I mean, the guy, which I think is common sense, kind of like the wall, like how's the wall not common sense? He, you know, he applied some real common sense uh, actions out there that, that, you know, made a difference on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cop on every corner is what is, I think, what they called it. And 100 percent. It was more police officers, more engagement with the community, a police officer on every corner, engaging with, you know, citizens being seen, being out there. And when, you know, people did things against police officers, if people did things to, you know, to police officers, those people were prosecuted, you know, right quick and in a hurry. It was, and justice was swift on that. And, you know, there, there has to be, and again, you know, you go back to that government thing, you know, but the police officers, that's, you know, that's at the local level. There has to be law and order. You know, people... People are like, oh, you know, we don't need police officers, less police officers. You can do that. You can try that. We've been a lot of places and you, we've seen a lot of places. New York, you know, I remember going up there on my eighth grade field trip when I was in the 80s, you know, went to went to New York. Dude, we went to Times Square and we were not allowed. We were basically like my entire eighth grade class, like had to hold hands, you know, in Times Square. And everybody was huddled, you know, in like one spot because you couldn't wander off because you were going to get, you know, pulled into, you know, an adult, you know, bookstore and, you know, sold off into sex slavery or something. Um, you know, you Times Square, or, you know, somebody did that or somebody was going to sell you some crack. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, we want to go check off the subway because that you know, everybody heard about the subway. And, and, you know, our teachers and our, you know, our New York City tour guide was like, in no way, shape or form am I taking any of you children into the New York City subway. You know, this was in like, I don't know, 88, 89, something, you know, 89, I think, you know, something like that. It was like, in no way am I taking you into that subway. But mm-hmm. it's just... People, people are going to have to well, learn, um, and I don't, I don't think we're there yet, well, man. It, I don't think we're there yet. I think uh, one of you guys, uh, Roger, I think just mentioned, um, you know, he's not a fan of big government. Uh, yeah, I, I, and Josh said, you know, hit the nail on the head. Anytime the government touches something, they're going to mess it up. Just look at the DMV, right? But I have less of a problem with big local government uh, and big state government why uh, a window into a conservative's mind here because those governments are way more accountable than the national government so national government is not it's not near as accountable especially a local government you know if they if they vote and want more they want to pay taxes uh, so that more cops can be on the streets man more power to them man you ask for it you get it you get the big government you just asked for you know I'm having a hard time right now because I'm really broken up about Champ. Uh, apparently, he died of natural causes, but uh, apparently they'd had him for quite a while. He used to like to chase golf balls at the Naval Observatory. Poor guy. Good grief. But I want to get back to I want to talk about Biden again. Um, you know, the uh, GOP lawmakers uh, led by ex-White House physician. I think he's a representative. He is a representative now. Dr. Ronnie Jackson uh, asked for Biden to take a cognitive test. Now, yeah. <laughs> hit that Jeffrey up stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's a responsible thing to do 
to take a cognitive test for Trump and for Biden or for anyone over the age of, you know, when they get into that uh, that vulnerable age group for dementia. Uh, it's, it's a responsible thing to do. I don't think it'll be done with Biden. I, I really don't. And if it is, it'll be <laughs> it'll be doctored, if you will. You know, I'm not saying that he has dementia, but I, I will say he definitely has signs of it. You know, there's a there's something that mo- a lot of dementia uh, sufferers get called sundowner syndrome. I mean, when the sun goes down, like literally, their brain starts to shut down, and uh, you know, the natural circadian rhythms and stuff. Their brain just shuts down. They just can't say anything. They can't do anything. And I, I, I've been trying to track and see if if Biden has done any press conferences or anything at night, you know, he's definitely not going to do them often. Um, and you know, if he does one every two months or something, I mean, you can, you can shoot him up with drugs or whatever, and and you can get through a 30 minute, even an hour long speech. You know, another, uh, symptom is quick to anger. I mean, I, I don't know if Biden's always been like that, but boy, he sure does seem quick to anger. You know, he'll get lost in the middle of sentences. I mean, it, it happens. You can look at it yourself, man. Uh, the other day he was asked a question about the Catholic cardinals dressing him down uh, because of his stance on abortion, and he might not be, be able to take communion if they denounce him to go through their process. And man, when go and watch the clip of when he was asked that question. Dude freezes up, completely freezes up, and could not say anything. It was kind of a scary thing. You know, I mean, I guess it could happen to anybody. The Libya and Syria thing, I'll touch on that again. If that's not concerning for an American voter, uh, I, I don't know what is. I mean, you, if you go into negotiations, you know, like Ronald Reagan did with uh, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev back in the day uh, for the ABM treaties and all that stuff, you know, what if there's a slip? And, he, and he, the president is sitting there saying, Libya, 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 and Russia's like, okay, yeah, we, we won't interfere with Libya anymore. Absolutely not. Yes, we agree. Yes, we will not interfere in Libya. And they change nothing and they keep interfering in Syria. I mean, now I know, you know, uh, treaties and stuff like that and, you know, international uh, agreements uh, go through multiple layers. But still, it puts you on a bad footing in negotiations when you can't keep that stuff straight. Now, you know, we put Joe Biden under the microscope and that's we, we do that. And it's fair to say. You guys put him under the microscope. Well, I think that the list of things I just gave you is all about, I just want my president to take a cognitive test. Uh, and that's it. I, I'm, I'm not saying he has dementia, but whatever. I, uh, I'm really happy, though, that the VA just announced that uh, they will be offering transition surgeries, uh, uh, transgender transition surgeries to vets. Yeah, that'll solve the mental health crisis, I'm sure. With, oh, with, sweet with Jesus. veterans, yeah, and uh, you know that that's a that's a complex subject that we think we should get into it uh, down the road, definitely. So, Roger, I mean, you broken up about Champ? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that poor dog, man? All right, I told you, man, he bit one of the Clintons and he got suicided. So, yeah, my heart. Uh, Thoughts and prayers go out to him and the Biden family. I, I hate to see dogs pass away. Just like in reality, I'm just like I hate to see dogs pass away either way, but. Hey man, he he bit what two people, and like most states, like once you bite a third, you're you're put down. So I don't know. And I think you're absolutely right with the whole cognitive test. Uh, if he does take one, it'll be like his own personal physician, um, the same one that that Luke probably gets his vitamins from, 
And uh, they'll be like, yeah, man, he's uh, he's good to go. Yep, he's 100. Or be like, Jen Psaki, I just can't keep up with this dude. It's like, if you can't keep up with him, you're a slug. I mean, th- that's like the only animal or creature I wouldn't be able to keep up with Joe Biden. But I want to touch on a couple other topics real quick. So, you know, I was reading through this, and now, you know, we've got COVID variant Delta out there, right? Because I guess, you know, people couldn't track the numbers anymore, so doing Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, and, and they're going to show um, – you know, uh, basically just show how this thing is progressing, evolving. So eventually you get down to hotel in India and Juliet, whatever. But I almost feel like they are ramping up for like a fall winter closure, you know, all over again. It's like, Hey, you know what? I mean, the, the summertime's coming. So, you know, naturally people will, uh, will be out and about and you'll be outdoors and this and that. And, and, they, and the weather's good. So, you know, your infections go down or your deaths, I should say, because it's really about the deaths, right? And the over, well, it was supposed to be about the deaths and overburdening or overloading of the health system. That was the, that was the number one thing. And then we've just kind of gone off uh, the charts on that. But, you know, I, I was sitting here because I'm still stuck on this whole, and, and we won't dive into it uh, too much in this episode, but I'm still into this, you know, maybe uh, COVID was purposely uh, leaked from the lab in Wuhan. But it's funny because now you're starting to see more and more, and we talked a little bit about this with, um, uh, you know, with the Fauci emails that came out. But now you're starting to get more and more scientists that are like, hey, um, I think this thing could have been, you know, engineered. And and, and Luke kind of went through it last episode, right, uh, with that gain of function and, and, and this and that. So it's, What's kind of crazy is I, I sat here and I pulled up an article and it's, uh, where did, uh, I'll get the title here in a second, but it's from NBC News and, and it's talking about this, this lady Chan, scientist. Sarah, there, there had been trepidation among some scientists about publicly discussing the lab leak hypothesis for fear that their words could be misconstrued or used to support racist rhetoric about how the coronavirus emerged. Really? That is how they prioritize that. Okay, this is a scientist, right, who's saying we won't discuss how this thing may have come to fruition. We won't discuss or even dig into, hey, like how did this thing spread? Who created it? How was it created? Uh, they prioritized essentially human lives over hypothesis that could be misconstrued or used to support racist rhetoric about how the coronavirus emerged. And then it goes on, Trump-fueled accusations that the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, was connected to the outbreak. And on numerous occasions, he called the pathogen the Wuhan virus or Kung flu. All right, now the Kung flu thing I think is funny, but like the Wuhan virus, how is that racist? Or if you call it a China virus, how is that racist? It came from China. Dude, I have a whole thing on this. I wrote it down the other day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in. I'm going to put it right back on you. I, I, just, I was just thinking, you know, about Kung flu and the Wuhan virus and the China virus. Now that's racist. You can't call it that. And I'm telling you, if, if YouTube, I'm, I'm telling you, if, we, if this video goes on YouTube and it runs through the wrong algorithm or if we had a thousand people watching it, just the fact that we're saying China virus, just those words, they'd probably take the video down. I mean, there, there are magic words you can't say on YouTube. But here, here was my thing, Roger. It's like I was coming up for different terminology for like COVID because I'm thinking about all these different strains, you know, Alpha Bravo on down the list. And uh, let's, let's call the first one that came out of Wuhan, let's call that the emergent 
Sino variant or the emergent Sino strain. Okay, let's call it that. Okay, that, that sounds good, right? Well, now yep. we've got the Indian variant or the Indian strain, the South African strain, the Brazilian strain, Philippine strain, UK variant strain, uh, Nigerian, Nigerian variant strain, Lithuanian variant strain. Now, what are all those things? What are variants and strains? Going back to the emergent Sino variant. What are those? They're viruses. That's what they are. So you've got the Indian strain. You've got the Indian virus. And you've got the China virus. Because that's what it is. It's the China virus. That is exactly what it is. It's the China strain. It's the China virus. There was nothing, there continues to be nothing racist about that. You got me all worked up. I'm sorry. I'll kick it back to you, man. You think we'll get lucky enough that YouTube actually takes down our video? Because we'd probably get more viewers. <laughs> hey, we can that plug it after that. Hey, YouTube has banned us, dude. People will, people will, people will come. Oh yeah, they'll dig that. And then it takes me to like, you know, because I'm a part of the Maricopa County page on Facebook. I follow them or whatever the health page. You know, they're talking about all the vaccinations and this and that. And so it's pretty interesting. I think we posted this a couple of weeks ago, but the Cleveland Clinic came out, and I forget. I can't remember if it was fifty two hundred or fifty two thousand. I know there's a pretty big, you know. Uh, discrepancy between the two, but it, it was a lot of people, right? It was, it was a lot of people. And uh, they basically took folks that were vaccinated and folks that weren't, uh, or folks who had COVID, um, and then those that were vaccinated after they had COVID and those that weren't. Uh, if I remember correctly, those who already had COVID that did not get vaccinated, you know how many of, you know what percentage increase caught COVID again over those that uh, were vaccinated again? Zero. And I don't think it was like statistically zero. I think it was actually zero. Like, I don't think there was one patient who had COVID uh, that did not get vaccinated that went and caught it. So it kind of, you know, this goes into my, my next little piece here as my mind just runs all over the place. Because all of a sudden, you know, now you're seeing this big push, right? Be vaccinated, be vaccinated. And, and anyway, listeners out there, I mean, you make you make your, your own decisions. That's, that's on you. You know, if you think you need to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. If not, you know, you don't, but it's, what about the people who've already had it? Like myself and Luke, I mean, you know, I got vaccinated and I did it because of obviously some of the government work we do, just, it makes life a lot easier. And I hate to say it that way because it's, it's total capitulation, but it just makes life easier. It makes traveling easier, but it's, uh, but if you've already had it and now you're starting to see more and more studies where they're like, yeah, you're actually just like any other virus. It's like, once you've had it, you're pretty protected. Um, not to say that you can't ever catch it again, because again, you know, they, they continue, especially out here, they continue posting like the infection rates. And it's like, it's not about the infections. It never was to begin with. All right. It's about the death rate and the overloading of the healthcare system. I don't care if 328 million Americans catch this thing, but if you can, you know, if you have zero deaths or, you know, low deaths or whatever, whatever that percentage is, then why do you care? You know, but it's continued to push that narrative. And I don't think I finished my thought uh, before I kick it to Josh with my last one. I, I feel like there's this buildup for another shutdown uh, coming in the fall. Because I tell you, I mean, when you look at, and this is another tangent, I, I just set Josh up and then I'm going to go off for another 20 minutes. But when you look at like the economy and now, you know, I vaguely remember, you know, a couple months ago, Fed like inflation is not happening. 
I remember the left media coming out and saying, um, prices aren't going up. That's just in your head, right? Uh, even though like, like no, I actually just paid like $4 a gallon for gasoline. I think prices go, no, 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 it's all, it's, it's all fake news. Now the Fed has said, hey, I think we may actually have to increase rates. That's why the market took a dump on Friday, right? Uh, which I didn't know the market was going to be open on Juneteenth because of the holiday. But anyway, it was open. Um, now the Fed's like, yeah, uh, inflation's starting to creep up. We're getting a little worried about it. So you weren't worried about it last month. You weren't worried about it three weeks ago. You weren't worried about you know two months ago or whatever. Now you're worried about inflation all of a sudden. And now they're talking about having to do rate hikes next year. And I'm starting to see some things float around the web uh, where they're talking about 10% inflation rate over the course of three to four years, right? That is mind-boggling. And it gets even worse, right? Because I, I forget what I was reading on today. Uh, I read on one of my, I think it was actually one of my home coffee, coffee roasters. He's, uh, he imports his own coffee and this and that or whatever. He's like, hey, you better start buying Christmas gifts now. And he was showing pictures of the ports and this and that. And when you look at the lack of workers, when you look at, uh, and it's not just, it's, it's all over the place. When you look at the lack of, of workers that are available out there, when you look at the, the, the stoppages at the, at the ports because of the coronavirus, you know, around the world, not just here in the U.S., when you look at the lack of supply, uh, when you look at the amount of money that's being pumped in from the Fed every single month, Every single you know week, every single day, dude, we're there. And and I think uh, yeah, Josh was talking about you know talking about there in the Carter years. You're actually starting to hear that come back around again. It's like, hey man, there are some people, some pretty you know famous economists out there that are like, uh, we could actually have some some issues here, you know, with inflation over the next couple of years. So sorry, Josh, I know I went off on a tangent, but I'll, I'll get that back to you. No man, it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. I love it. The uh, and I agree with you. The kung when when Trump called it the kung flu, like I dude, I was I was belly laughing. It was uh, it was pretty funny. But it looks right. You know, not, calling it the China virus is not racist. Calling the Spanish flu the Spanish flu, not racist. That's where it originated. If something originated here in the United States and got out, you know, across the world, I would fully expect somebody to call it the U.S. virus, the American virus. Like I would fully expect it. It would be like it's not racist. It's where it's where it came from. You know, so um, when it comes to when it comes to the economy, you know, we we said it last year on on multiple episodes, you know, especially with the stimulus checks and you can't just start printing money and putting it into the economy without some severe repercussions. You just can't do it. It, They've tried it before and it failed miserably. You know, Carter referred to it as the malaise in the late 70s. And, you know, maybe this is a wake up call that people need. Maybe this is the wake up call. You know, maybe we'll see 20 percent unemployment, 30 percent unemployment. I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, obviously that's more than Great Depression levels. Um, You know, you start talking 30, 40 percent unemployment. But, you know, people don't want to go back to work. Why? Because the government's like, ah, don't worry about going back to work. We'll send you we'll we'll send you some cash. We'll, you know, don't worry about it. And, you know, inflation is going up. Anybody who has tried to buy a sheet of plywood in the last six to eight months, a three quarter inch sheet of plywood is seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars. And that's here. Right. That's not even in a big city. That's where I live. 
$75. Try and go buy some two befores, right? So home prices are going up. Uh, we had some friends of ours, just, you know, they're, they're just now finishing their house. But in the last two months, their builder had to add like 15K to cover, uh, you know, the material cost that they, that they had not projected at the beginning of this uh, based on uh, prices going up from, you know, when they started pouring, uh, you know, when they poured footers. So it's the economy, man. The, I, I think, you know, we said it. We said it. We have not seen the full ramifications of COVID. You know, you know the COVID deaths. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's gonna, you know, that's it. That's you know, that's the impact of COVID." No, the impact of COVID, we are about to feel, and we are going to feel it for a couple of years, unless you know, unless the government stops spending money, and uh, and you know, and starts being smart about it. But they won't. Because, like you said, you know, the national level, nobody's holding them accountable. Hopefully, folks down at the state level and the uh, and the city level start holding those elected officials accountable when they start wasting money with nonsense. When Lori Lightfoot redirects, you know, ten million in COVID funds um, away, you know, to to combat racism in Chicago. Never mind the fact that Pookie and Ray Ray are killing each other, you know, on the south side of Chicago. I think last weekend, uh, I think fifty people got shot in Chicago over the weekend. Fitty, and but you know Chicago's got a racism problem, not not a gangbanger, not you know Pookie and Ray Ray shooting each other problem. It's a racism problem. So that's uh, that's all I got for uh, for this episode. For that, I think I throw it over to uh, to Luke and do one one last round. Well, that was a good point about uh, Christmas gifts, though, Roger. Uh, but I'll tell you, in, in case some of the people in the audience aren't familiar with how inflation works. If you're thinking I should go out and buy those gift cards right now, yeah, that, that's not how it works. Don't buy a gift card. That is not a good way to combat <laughs> inflation. Okay, so whatever. But that, that's a good point. You know, I was thinking maybe I should do that. Now, then I remembered over the past four years, Michelle and I, every time we go somewhere, travel, we'll pick up a you know some some trinkets or whatever, and we'll be like, we'll give these as gifts someday. So. That may be this Christmas, so now all my friends and family know what they're getting is some uh, souvenirs from Europe. Yeah, Josh, they, you know, they miss the uh, miss those unemployment numbers again, or miss the employment numbers again. I don't know if people saw that. Uh, lumber still is high, higher than it was uh, two months ago. I talked to a builder friend of mine uh, down in San Antonio, and she said that uh, made a joke. Uh, she she posted a picture of a house that she or a property she's going to build on, and I was like, hey. Uh, could I get gold framing instead of she, she had a laugh out of that, but she said that um, lumber prices are starting to go down. So I guess that's a little bit of silver lining still higher than it was, but uh, yeah, another shutdown. I don't know what that would accomplish. Um, you know, other than, you know, black helicopters, great reset kind of thing. Um, great reset. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Um uh, you know, I, I want to see it come back. I don't want to see everything burn just because Biden is is the president. I don't want to see that. Um, on the other hand, though, I mean, you know, chickens come home to roost, you know, sometimes. And, you know, we have to pay for our mistakes. And I'm worried about the future generations. I'm worried about the job market uh, when my son graduates college in two years. Uh, so, yeah, Roger, I don't know if you saw the uh, the thing with Jon Stewart on Colbert. Um you nod yes or no? You didn't? Okay. So John Stewart went on uh, The Late Show with uh, Stephen Colbert and basically dropped a nuke on Colbert. I mean, it was it was 
crazy to watch. Roger, you should watch it. And those, those of you who didn't, uh, you should watch it because John Stewart can be funny. I'm not the hugest fan of John Stewart, but I think he, uh, I think in his older age, he's starting to get a little jaded with the whole process. But he went on Colbert and basically said, you know, Colbert asked him, so, you know, the, the origins of it. And he's like, the origins of it, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Stephen? It came from the lab. And Colbert just like all the color went out of his face. And he's like, what do you mean? And he, and John Stewart made some jokes about it, but he got real worked up and passionate. He's like, yeah, dude, there's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness around Hershey, Pennsylvania. I wonder where that came from. It came, it came from the Hershey chocolate factory. You know, that, that's kind of the, the tack he was taking and Colbert kept trying to walk him back and John Stewart wasn't having it. And I don't know what these people think that they have this huge blind spot that to say that it came from a lab or even to question it is a conspiracy theory and you're crazy. You know, Colbert tried to give it back to Jon Stewart and said, so when did you start uh, interning for Ron Johnson? And it's like, dude, it's so tribal to even question it is a conspiracy theory and you're a crackpot nut. I mean, we, we touched on that two episodes ago. I mean... Where these people are so, they have this, this again, this huge blind spot. And, you know, they're not reading ground.news, you know, that's for sure. They, they come up with the with the blind spot. You know, they, they do it for the right and the left. It's like, if you're on the right, if you're a conservative, here's some, here's some news you might have missed. And I'm telling you, dude, it's like, yeah, it's good. I look at both of them. And, you know, if I uh, had the same news pattern I had two years ago, I would miss a lot of these articles that uh, ground.news is flagging. So, yeah, I mean, don't buy gift cards for Christmas right now, anyway, or anytime soon, for that matter. Uh, That was a good point, Roger. Uh, I'll kick it back to you. That's about all I have for this episode. So I think it's been a good one, you know, covered a lot of stuff. Cover art's going to be interesting because we're not necessarily all over the place, but we did cover a lot of ground. Oh, absolutely. Good episode. Uh, again, we were going to have the Cajun conservative on. We'll have him on here in the next couple of weeks, but go check out his podcast. Uh, my final shout out, you know, Father's Day is tomorrow, but by the time this recording drops, it'll already pass. So, you know, happy Father's Day to uh, to all the dads out there that are, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, my dad's not around anymore, so can't wish him that. So um, with that, uh, we'll close out this week's episode. And uh, again, thanks to Carlton Zeus. Check out his music at www.carltonzeus.com or Apple Music. And uh, for all you canteeners out there, keep your canteen cups tightly secured.